we often think of being overwhelmed as being a bad thing. But to be overwhelmed by love is an amazing thing. To be overwhelmed by the plan that a loving God has for us is amazing. And this morning, as we continue to look at the fact that it's time to know our church, and um, this three-week series is now on week four, and it'll continue to week five next week. There's a lot to know. But we've been trying to look at some of the doctrine, the faith, the 16 articles, and each week I've listed some. Some I've been able to cover, some I haven't. But as well as trying to understand this idea of what is a church. To try to understand what does it mean to follow Christ individually and corporately as a body of believers. Too many times if somebody asks uh, where your church is, if you say you go to church, we list an address. And that's true right now, but it's not true for those online. And tomorrow morning, that's not where the church is. The church will be wherever we are because we are the church. We're not the building. Buildings come, buildings go. Buildings get added on to, buildings get rearranged. There are places in the world they're not allowed to meet publicly in buildings, and yet they're still the church. Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, in California, when they were first starting, they couldn't find any place to meet, and it literally was getting changed every week to where they took out a permanent ad on Thursdays in the local paper. For those of you who are too young, local papers used to come every day, and there was black and white ink and stuff. But there was a certain page where they took out an ad every week and it would announce, here's where we're meeting this Sunday. In the first 10 years of that church's life, they met in like a hundred some different places. And yet it just kept growing because the church isn't the place. Just like we were still the church when the air wasn't working. Though some of you wondered... So what does it mean? Not just to know the church, but to understand what is the church. So if we go back to the language, the original language that was used to describe the church. The Greek word for church, the one we translate in the New Testament, the Greek word is ekklesia, E-K-K. L-E-S-I-A, ecclesia. And if that's not exactly the right way to pronounce it, we're not in Greek class, so it's okay. The meaning of that word is an odd meaning. I mean, most of us are not ever going to think of the church in this meaning. The meaning of the word ecclesia is called out. Now, most of us would have come up with a different word than ecclesia because called out. I don't know about you, but I think of something negative when I think of being called out. Maybe because I got called out so often as a kid. I was reminded because of somebody else's story this week about driver's ed. Anybody remember driver's ed? Yeah. The only reason we liked driver's ed was because at the end we got a driver's license. We... we didn't like driver's ed. 
my school was a new school, just been built, just been started. Um, and we were kind of an experiment. And so in driver's ed, we had a simulator. And I was born a couple years ago. So this, this was this was cutting edge stuff. And it, now we look now I think back on it and go, and that was some that was some bad stuff that, you know, that, that was elementary type things. But we also, in this, in this simulator that we sent in, the whole class was in there. There were like 15 or 16 of us in there at the same time. And we're all looking up at this one big screen. And we all had our own dashboard, our own brake pedal and gas pedal and our own steering wheel and all that kind of stuff. But because we're all looking at the same screen, it was kind of graduated. So those of us who were tallest got to sit in the back. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. So I'm sitting back there with another buddy who we played basketball together. And we're across from each other. And when they put us in the simulation, they have to kind of turn the lights down because, uh, you know, the graphic stuff wasn't near as good as it is today. And so the teacher couldn't really tell what everybody was doing. Yeah. I was one of those. And my buddy across the aisle was one of those too. And the teacher was up front. And he had to be looking at the machine to see how we were doing. Well, the other thing is, by sitting in the back, it was near where all the gadgets were, and I learned when they were actually checking, because it wasn't like a computer that works so well today. It wasn't checking us the whole time. There were certain moments, and I discovered there was a sound that came when they were about to, you know, check how we were doing. So when that sound came, I'm, man, 10 and 2, and I'm... I'm I'm in the speed limit and all that kind of stuff. And then there was another sound when it had finished checking. I don't know what it was doing, tabulating or something. But I learned I could do whatever I wanted during that and it wouldn't count against me. So my buddy and I had races. We heard the sound, everything's perfect. As soon as the next sound came, boom, you know, we're, we're swerving around. Till one day, we were so into what we were doing, we missed the sound. And while we're going 100 miles an hour and swerving in and out, we wrecked the whole class. And the teacher figured out what we were doing, and he called us out. I mean, called us out. That's not what this means. Ecclesia, to be called out, is to mean to be somewhat set aside for a purpose. Called out to follow Christ. Called out to work together. Called out to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I want you to take a look at this with me. And I want to read from the passage we've used each week. Because this is the foundation, Matthew chapter 16, um, beginning at verse 13. The foundation, what do you do with Christ, is what everything hinges on. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say? 
that I am. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And as I've reminded you every week, we're no longer under that command. We're, we're supposed to tell. In fact, it's part of what we're called out to do. To be called out to be the church, the body of Christ. What does it mean? Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 is what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus, before he left, is saying, here's what I want you to do. As you go, tell people, baptize them, teach them. And then in Acts 1, 8, right before the Holy Spirit came, he is telling them and letting them know the Holy Spirit is coming. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power. And after you get this power, you're going to be my witnesses, just like connected to Matthew 28, to as you go, letting people know. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, is the snapshot of what the church looked like right after the Holy Spirit showed up. Where that church went from 120 to 3,120 in one service. You go, whoa. I was reading some stuff this week about some fast-growing churches. I was reading about one church in Maryland. Last year, they were running 350, and this year, they're running 2,000. Man, talk about messing up your seating patterns. That's kind of what happened here. It was just incredible what happened in this moment because of the power of the Holy Spirit and because the church was the church. So what does that mean for us? What are we called out to do? First of all, we are called out to be tellers for Christ. Not bank tellers, but tellers of and for Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 20 is that we're to let everyone know who Jesus is, what he has done. Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. We are to be tellers for Christ. We're called out. We are encouraged. We're admonished. We're motivated to do this, to be tellers for Christ. That means we are to teach through our words and our actions. And in fact, the truth is, our actions speak louder than our words. I'll never forget hearing the phrase, your actions are speaking so loud I can't hear your words. When we're saying Jesus is love and treating somebody unkindly, they didn't hear that Jesus is love. They just heard the unkindness. They heard us being anything but Christ. 
We're to be tellers of his and for him. It's why what we do around here matters. It's why we do our best to make sure everything we do is about telling people about Jesus, even the fun stuff that we do. In fact, there's nothing more fun than telling people about Jesus and seeing them come to faith in Christ. But the times you go, a trunk or treat, what's that got to do with this? Well, while we're out there, we get to interact with people. We get to let them know why we're out here doing this. Does Jesus care about trunk or treat? I don't think so. But I know he cares about the people who come. And so are we supposed to. Everything we do, Wacky Wednesdays, youth, everything. That's why it matters who's in these roles. That's why you need to be praying for Aaron downstairs and Roger and Don and all the helpers down there. That's why you need to be praying for Dalen and the youth sponsors. He could use a few more, by the way. That's why you need to be praying for Donna and Larry and Kevin and their Sunday morning groups and for Lonnie and Mary and Jody and Kylie and some of those Wednesday night or other time that those groups meet. We're to be teaching through our words and our actions. One of the things for this coming season in the next year or so, so I want to see us providing more tools for everyone on how to tell people about Jesus. To just get more comfortable with it. To give some tips on how to do it. Some are more naturally inclined to do it and others aren't, but we're all called out to teach and tell about Jesus. And we're to do it often. In other words, in all we do, we, <laughs> I think sometimes we have this idea that we can put on our faith and take off our faith. We put it on when we show up here on Sundays and we make sure it's clean and pressed and polished. I mean, that's just our aura of following Christ. I mean, back before every car had air conditioning, windows would be down in the cars in the summer and you could hear people pulling into the parking lot arguing with each other until they parked the car and got out and then everybody was all smiles so they walked into church together. It still happens. The windows are up. We just can't hear it now. But see, it's to be all the time in all that we do, even at work, even at the store, even watching or reading or listening to the news, which might be one of the hardest places to do that. In all that we do, we're called out to be tellers for Christ and of Christ. We're also called out to be converting others to Christ, moving them in their faith. Now, it's really a bad phrase that I put there because none of us can convert someone else but we can influence them to convert. And that's really what we're talking about. Matthew 28, verse 19 is saying that as you go, it means wherever you go. Baptize people, seeing them come to faith in Christ. Teach them to obey all things. That we're to be following him and that in all that we do, we are seeking to see people come to faith in Christ. 
Acts 2.47 says that the early church, right after Pentecost, right after the Holy Spirit fell down upon them, that there were people getting saved every single day. It's still happening today all around the world. But here's how this works. You and I plant and water. We're the ones who plant the seed. We're the ones who show kindness. We're the ones who invite people. We're the ones who live out our faith in front of them. We're the ones who grieve with those who grieve, rejoice with those who rejoice. We're the ones who help the neighbor. We're the ones who do what we can to show Jesus to a lost and dying world. And then we keep doing it to keep watering that seed that's been planted. But none of us can actually create a harvest. That's God's role. God brings the harvest. But one of my things in this next year is to figure out ways to help train us better on how to plant and water. Now, now not, not a garden. Uh, Jody and I stink at that. We tried it. It, it, was, it was a disaster. It's not our thing. Thank you to those of you that it is your thing. I enjoy your, your bounty. <laughs> And I don't do it, not because you do it, but because I stink at it. It's not my thing. I also didn't like it, which is probably part of why I stink at it. But when it comes to this thing of faith, when it comes to this thing of being called out to see others come to faith in Christ, we all can do our part. Why do we do some of the things we do around here? It's to introduce people to the concept of a loving heavenly father it's to introduce people to the idea that there are people who've been called out who are following a savior and let them know that he loves them and the best way we do that is for us to love them and when they see that they're drawn to it but i think we need to do a better job of training each other in this idea and I think as we do that, then God will bring more and more harvest. He's been doing it this last year. But I'm here to tell you what we've been seeing that we're excited about and we should be. is just a little bit of what could be. We're called out. To be tellers of Christ. To be part of the process of seeing others converted to Christ. And we're called out to be worshipers of Christ. You see, I think sometimes we think that we, we think worship is a thing. A time and a place. And that's nothing close to what worship really is. In Matthew 28, it says that the 11 disciples, starting in verse 16, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. The appropriate response to encountering Jesus is to worship because he's worthy of our worship. Now, some of you have already read ahead the rest of that verse, right? Because it then says, and then some doubted. Yep. There are those around us who either don't know or doubt it or don't believe. But that is why we need to worship all the more. 
I agree with Jerry Cook who wrote many years ago that he said, I don't believe somebody who knows nothing about Christ can sit in a corporate worship service with followers of Jesus who are truly worshiping and not be impacted by true worship. And by the way, worship does not equal music. Music is part of worship. So is the offering. So is greeting one another. So is reading the word. So is prayer. All of that is worship. In fact, the truth is that as we worship, we're to do it daily and to do it in everything we do. Even where you work. Oh, you don't know where I work. No, and you don't know as much about where I work as you think you do. We're to worship. We're representatives of his called out that as you work, you're to be tellers of Christ. The truth is, employers should want to hire followers of Christ because they're better workers, because they're following Christ. Skill isn't what I'm talking about. It's attitude. It's desire. It's willingness. We're to worship daily, to have our own times of worship. And you know what? When you have your own times of worship, you can do it however you want. When we come together, we do it all kinds of ways. To worship. But we also should come together and worship. We've been called to do that. Hebrews said, don't don't give up the, don't forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we're to come together. And we are to come together to be encouraged and to encourage. As some of you have said, you think back to three years ago in the shutdown through all the COVID stuff, and that some who have gone ahead and admitted it, that the first few weeks where it was all online and you couldn't get together in person, you went, this is kind of cool. It's okay, you can admit it. You're sitting in your pajamas with your cup of coffee in your recliner, watching church on TV, going, I could get used to this. But the truth is, we need to be together. And as some of you admitted, you realized after two or three weeks, something's not the same. There's something powerful about hearing other voices. There's something powerful about coming together, whether you talk with anybody or not, which I encourage you to do. But even if you don't, to just see that there are others who are seeking what you're seeking. And if we're doing it right, we're reaching out to each other. Now, don't get pious on me and go, well, that's right, they ought to be reaching out to me. You didn't hear me. I said, we, all of us, should be reaching out to each other. That means not just somebody to you, but you to someone else. We're called to do this. I mean, you look through Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's all about them coming together and then going out. And after they go out, they come back together. It's an awesome thing. We also have been called out. <laughs> I love this. And I'm, my guess is most of you haven't thought through this. 
We are called out to be living miraculously through Christ. That's right. You've been called to live miraculously. And the number one reason for that is you are a miracle. The fact that you're here is a miracle. Birth is an amazing thing. The human body is an incredible machine. It did not happen by accident. If you study it, you learn that. You are a miracle, so live like it. We've been called out to do that. We need to be praying to see the miraculous. Everybody wants a miracle. We just don't want to be in a position to need a miracle. But we often are. And I don't just mean miracles of physical. I mean miracles in relationships. See, we serve a God who came back to life and is able to bring relationships back to life. Is able to bring churches back to life. Is able to bring families and marriages back to life. That's a miracle. We need to live like it. We need to pray for it. We need to expect it. We need to share it. And one of the beauties of this, part of the miracle, is the Holy Spirit. And in those articles of faith, they're not listed in order of importance necessarily, but the one that's listed as number 10 for the Church of the Nazarene is this idea of holiness and sanctification. I'm going to go a little further on that next week, and there are some uh, verses listed here for you. But this is talking about the fact that after coming to faith in Christ, making a decision to be a follower of Christ, asking for forgiveness of sin, for God to be our Savior, to take care of us in that way, that there is something more that needs to happen. It's called all kinds of names, the second work of grace, entire sanctification, all kinds of things. But here's what it means. We believe that after being born anew, coming to Christ, that we need the fullness of God's Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. And when we make a complete commitment, the better word is surrender, to Him, He cleanses our spirit, fills us with His perfect love, and gives us the power to live victoriously, which is a miracle. Perfect? No. He is, and His love is, and it fills us, and we seek to follow Him in that way. But I'm here to tell you, and so is anybody else who's ever met me, I'm not perfect. I sure hope the camera wasn't on my wife right then because I'm sure there was a big, that's right. But he is. And his love is. And he has given us the ability through the gift of the Holy Spirit to have the power we need to live for him in this world. See, that's why I don't get as upset about the news as I used to, because I know the good news. I know who Jesus is and what he can do. And that no matter what all the bad news may be in the world, Jesus is greater than any of that. And we've been called out to let others know that. We've been called out to live in that. We've been called out to be the church. Not just when we hear the noise and know we're being checked up on. But to live it out on a daily basis. 
linking arms together as the body of Christ. Going into a world that desperately desires what we have to offer. And understanding that the one who is in us is greater than anything we will face. No matter what, no matter where, no matter when. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of Christ in us. That's the power of the call we have as the ecclesia, as the church, to be called out, sometimes on our own, but even on our own, we're together because we're part of the body of Christ. The name on the door doesn't matter near as much as who's in your heart. And we need to live like the one who created the universe is in us because if you've accepted him, he's in you. And he's given you the power through his Holy Spirit to live that miraculous life. Surprise somebody this week and let them know they're a miracle. And see what they do. Father, thank you. That you are working among us. Thank you that you are working in us. And when we allow you to, working through us. Lord, I pray for each one that's gathered here, and those that are tuning in online, that they would allow you to call them out. To be a part of this ecclesia, this body, not just of this group here, but of the church worldwide. To use the power of your Holy Spirit as they surrender their will to your will. Lord, this is a lousy ending to your powerful word, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit continues to follow us this week in convincing and convicting fashion to where we recognize we're a miracle and a part of what you've called us out to be, the ecclesia, the church. May we encourage each other, may we look out for each other, and may we be looking for those who don't yet know you. Guide us as we miraculously move through this week to show and to share the miracle of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray and plead for these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.